0: Hello and welcome to the podcast Autism, Neurodiversity and Me with your host Steph Reed. I'm a neurodivergent SEND and Autism Specialist teacher and school consultant and today's episode is really exciting. I have a very special guest Lynn McCann who is an Autism Specialist teacher, trainer and author and who set up Reach Out ASC, a team of autism support specialists in Lancashire. I feel a connection with Lynn, even though we've never met in person, but we're both doing really similar independent work with deep passion in the area of autism and neurodiversity in different parts of the country. And we both have ADHD. So I thought it would be great to get Lynn on the podcast to explore ADHD from a perspective of professionals with lived experience who have gone down the career route in education, specialist education and neurodivergence and explore how our own neurotypes may have an impact on our work and on our understanding of ourselves and the young people we support. Enjoy this podcast episode with Lynn McCann from Reach Out ASC. And here's your host, my favorite teacher, Steph Reed. Lynn thank you so much for joining the podcast it's I'm really excited for our conversation today and let's just start by can
1: you tell us all about the wonderful work you do okay well I think it's wonderful because I really enjoy it but um, I'm an an autism specialist teacher so I set up an independent service nine years ago now um, and just My own here in Lancashire, and we provide a service to schools, so they buy us in and we work around providing very individual um, support programs for children who are autistic. Um, And now over time, that's developed into children who also have ADHD and PDA and things like that. Um, But it's really good. And in these nine years, I've taken, there's now a team of five specialist teachers working and uh, we have some support staff as well um some of who are autistic yeah. so i love my team they are amazing um and they love the work so alongside that we also do training um all anybody who wants to know about autism or adhd we will do training and that's anywhere in the country or the world just ask us we'll do it brilliant and you
0: shared on your wonderful blog about your adhd diagnosis was it last year that you received your diagnosis yeah July
1: 21 yeah
0: yeah and how did you I mean how did you find the process how did it you know help you I guess understand the way
1: that you learn and or how did it impact you yeah it's interesting isn't it because it started off um because I'm now uh, 54 (laughs) and it started off when I was around 50 and I I think everybody gets that you know um what 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 what's going on in my life middle-aged crisis thing but (laughs) i had been doing a lot of work around girls and autism and the research around that and I kept coming across um ADHD in girls and I kept having like shivers through me thinking oh my gosh this sounds like me this sounds like me so in my near my 50th birthday, I went to my doctor's uh, with a four page essay of why I thought I had ADHD because <laughs> <laughs> I can hyper focus. And, um, and I said, please send me for a, a referral. And I'd made a a specific choice to go down the NHS route, partly because I want to help the kids and young people and be, and people that I work with understand that process. And I know it takes a long time and you've got to work out what you're doing while you're waiting. So I thought, well, if I've experienced that myself, I've got something to share. Mm-hmm. So in the first year, they um, didn't send my referral off, said they lost it um so I went back after a year said I've heard nothing so made them send it off this time um and so that took then I was on two-year waiting list and in July 21. I finally had my online um assessment, which took an hour and a half, very intense. Mm. Um, right at the end of it, he said, Yeah, I've no doubt that you've got combined ADHD. So um, but in the meantime, I'd done that hyper focus thing and I'd done a university certificate in ADHD. I'd I'd looked and, and researched everything, and I'd talked to my family and my friends, even an old school friend actually, um, to kind of get all the evidence together. together. Together of of whether that was true or not, because obviously you think, am I right? Have I got it wrong? Yeah, yeah. And all that doubt that you have. So I had enough evidence, but it wasn't until he said yes that I really believed it. Yeah, and now I can I can
0: resonate with that, and and especially around like thinking, you know, am I doing this? You know, why am I doing this? Is there is there a reason behind it? I was the same when I was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD and it kind of it, it was kind of like okay I mean I I I guess I already knew um, but actually when you hear it from somebody it you know it just kind of confirmed your understanding and then I guess therefore for me kind trying trying to work out is there you know is there other ways that I can do things that's actually going to help me I've been trying to do it a, a certain way and maybe I don't know. I'm thinking maybe specifically with um, learning. I I knew at that point why I was I had had previous difficulties in in uh, my education, and then thinking, okay, okay, how can I? Because I was 19 when I was diagnosed, so I then went to university and was able to do things slightly different. But having that kind of understanding really kind of helps, I guess, in terms of yeah that understanding of yourself um is there anything like do you think back to your education and you're like oh
1: okay (laughs) I've spent a lot of my life wondering why I did so badly at exams so Mm. I was always like top of the class in so many subjects so it's obviously quite clever um Mm -hmm. but my exam results were quite Poor for what I should have achieved really and I mean I'm obviously a bit older so I um, grew up you know I did my exams in the 80s and there was no kind of extra help or even discussion about why that might be and then when I went to university to do my teacher training I was always on the last minute with everything and again you know I just felt like I never achieved what I could have done and I, and I didn't know what that barrier was um, and I, I kind of have grieved for that a little bit since you know thinking. And, and you can't go back and change things. But I know now that, you know, I'm a voracious learner. I love learning. But I've kind of never even gone for to do a master's, for example, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I'm too scared of failing with my yeah. my history. I probably could do it now. But I yeah. think it just hangs around, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But I've been a lot kinder to myself, just been all that looking back on everything. You reevaluate everything, don't you? I bet you've done that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then you kind of helped you be more kind to yourself, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it it took me quite a while, like to link why I do the work that I do back to my own personal experiences. I don't know why it took so long. It wasn't until I actually had started doing my autism specialist teaching business. I went on a, a business course and we were asked the question about why, why do you do the work you're doing? At that time, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, I just love, I love interacting with autistic individuals. I just, I just love it, I love it. <laughs> and then, and I was really questioned on it, but why do you love it? Why do you love going into schools? And then, you know, I really thought about, okay, when I'm when I'm in the classroom, I see I feel like I see things that maybe other other teachers might not see or they might not pick up on. Why? And then I'm thinking, you know, I can I can feel it, (laughs) you know, like really kind of thinking, hang on a minute. There is a reason why I'm so passionate about the work, the work I do. And I wonder whether it's, it's similar with you. You know, I really I, I can go into a classroom and I just, like advocating for the child just comes so natural to me. And I wonder if I'm, you know, deep inside there is, I'm thinking of myself as well. Like, you know, maybe things could have been different if there would have been these adaptions when I was at, at school or, you know, just seeing things where the seemingly little adaptions can make such a difference. Um, do you feel or, or do you think about or maybe the question is how do you think maybe your own personal experience of ADHD helps with the work you do?
1: I think very similar to you, actually, that right from the first uh, when I went into teaching, I was always really had a big heart for children with special educational needs. And when I started teaching autistic children um and then I went into um, a specialist school as well. I went on supply. and never left for eight years. Um, yeah. But it was just about I could see something about the children, which was great potential and getting to know each child individually. And, and like the spark of intelligence that was there that was yeah. not recognized by other people and what what was not bringing that out was the barriers they were experiencing around them so it could be a communication barrier or sensory barrier and I just got it you know and I think yes it does come out of your own experience because if you've had to experience barriers yourself then that does give you that empathy and you know I got a lot of empathy back from autistic young people as well um just by that connection so I was able to advocate for them and um you know just bring to the teachers who are working with them and in, an insight into you know their potential and if we just did this then that would really, uh, uh, you know allow that and so on um and yeah I really love it for that reason and because they have helped me in, in being very accepting very adapting as well it's it's a two-way relationship isn't it and that's kind of where it comes from if that all makes sense <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I have met quite a few teachers and probably you because I know you've been doing uh, your, is it a neurodivergent teach meet? I mean, I've, I've met many teachers who are in the, you know, the field of special educational needs. And, you know, maybe they can also relate some of the things we're talking about, maybe through their own personal experience or, you know, something Teachers go into this, this uh, field because they're really passionate about, about children and supporting children's learning. I'd just like to take a quick pause from this wonderful conversation and say, if you are enjoying these podcasts and you're an educator or a parent of an autistic child, then you will absolutely love what I've built in my Autism for Teachers or Autism for Parents programmes, which are a one-stop go-to toolkit for all things autism with videos, resources, practical online courses and live online Q&As to get you upskilled, confident and prepared to support autistic children's learning and development in a way that helps them thrive and be the best version of themselves. We've got practical training resources on communication, behavior, emotional regulation, sensory needs, transitions, teaching strategies, leading a team in the classroom, and lots more. I also host live online Q&As every month And you can connect with other professionals and parents on the interactive forums, which is a perfect way to get feedback or ask questions at any time. Because we all know things change or anything can happen. And this platform is here to help you get specialist advice and feedback quickly. What's more, you can join on a monthly basis with the option to cancel at any time. Come and join today over at AutismSpectrumTeacher.com. I would love to hear about how your work around the,
1: the the teach meets have been going. Have you been doing many? No, we just tried it as an experiment because yeah. a, when we do training with schools, we're very often getting teachers coming to us afterwards and saying, you know, that sounds like me. Um, yeah. And we're finding these, this is in mainstream school, a lot of teachers who are very isolated, you know, struggling with the same sort of things that I've struggled with. And and just, you know, that bravery to come to some Come up to somebody and says, "I might have these struggles too." And a lot of the struggles for teachers is that we're in a system that really uh, kind of pushes us on a certain ways of doing things and crazy deadlines and loads of you know additional work. But also the changes—you can be kind of set up to do something, and then they'll suddenly change it and expect you to adapt, and that's hard for anybody who's neurodivergent. And um, and I think that it's not the time with the children because that is the joy it's actually all this additional stuff and I know when I was teaching in schools that that is what nearly crushed me so many times it's just you know you've got this to do you've got to oh can you do it this way now can you do it that way and that and managing my time around it because I do struggle with the concept of time I think that's what I've yeah
0: me too
1: and it's, and I hear from teachers as well, which really upsets me, is that when they have any kind of, you know, try to talk to senior leaders or their head teachers about it, then their professionalism is, is questioned. That really makes me angry. You know, well, maybe you're in the wrong profession. That has been said to a number of teachers, because they're struggling with, you know, this additional stuff and the, the pressure and everything on top. And it's, just I mean it's against the Equality Act for a start it's discrimination but I think that's why we put the teach meet together is we just thought we'll create a safe space start the conversation and put together you know from that what we learn from each other so there is a a Facebook page called Neurodivergent Teachers which I'm involved in with some other people and um, it would be really good you know to let people know that's there and just come and Find a safe space. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to change the world. Mm. But we just care and we understand. And I think that's a good place to start from, isn't it?
0: I think, you know, you've just said some really helpful things. And I know from my experience, if I think back to... So at the moment, I'm working for myself. But before that, my last two positions in a school... And they were both when I had leadership positions, my my two leadership positions that I've done. So the first one, I did I at that point, I don't know I don't know why, but I didn't feel comfortable to talk about my neurodivergence. And I didn't. And it I I got burnt out and it was hard. And in my second that that second leadership position, I started talking about some of the things, you know, for example, a room that I didn't have my own office. I was a senko and I was constantly moving about. I struggled so hard to be able to concentrate in the rooms I was working. People were in and out. It was tough, but I I I knew I just had to talk about it. So I I did and I did have a very, it was a very supportive senior leadership uh, uh, team that I worked with. And it it actually showed me that I needed to start talking about these things. You know, there are things that I find difficult that somebody else might not find difficult. And actually, there are things that we can do. And it sounds, again, like this whole kind of, when we think about the work we do, it seems like it should be obvious that people would be supportive but I mean what you've just said there it's definitely not the case all the time I think having the confidence to be able to talk about it I mean that showed me that you know for a start they were listening we made changes you know at that point this was before the pandemic and we made a plan that I was going to do my written work at home brilliant that worked better for me so you know I think you know, groups like what you just talked about are very supportive in helping to provide that support network um, and and having the confidence to talk about, you know, maybe things that you're finding difficult and also realizing that all of those skills that we have, I know one of the things that for me that I've been learning about and I'm still learning about, I know that there are times where I can focus really well and there are times that I don't and that's okay. And at those times, I'm going to do something different. Before, I would just try. I would try to do it, and it would just be. I would just be so unproductive.
1: Um, it's like something's put a brick wall in your head, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Sometimes I, you know, the struggle of just trying to to be productive. I used to really fight it and get so frustrated with myself. And now I'm I'm glad I've got to this point where I'm just like, okay just going to try and do something maybe kind of like what I would suggest with with the children
1: I want to cry (laughs) because you're saying exactly what I've been through and it is such a battle with yourself sometimes yeah and I think I'm having to learn to kind of build in times where I just let it go
0: Yeah,
1: I might have seven reports to write, but there's no way can I sit in front of a computer and write anything because it ain't coming. But there is that flexibility, I suppose, working for yourself to do that. But then I get stressed because it's piling up. And then someday I'll get through the lot, you know, and it's like, I'll just have to go with it and not fight it so much and try and go with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's difficult though, isn't it? I mean, I know sometimes I all of a sudden have this, I'm in the zone and it's nine o'clock at night and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with it for a bit because I know that it's probably it might not be like this tomorrow. Um yeah, I think, you know, I'm really, really pleased that, you know, neurodiversity is becoming more and more of a topic of discussion and people's understanding is becoming, you know, we're becoming more aware. Uh, hopefully the more we talk about these things the more people are going to understand and actually in a in a work environment whether you're a teacher or someone else people are going to have different different things they need to be productive and that's fine so yeah I it's great neurodivergent teachers I'm going to see if I'm part of that Facebook group if not not I need to be
1: yeah. We're also um, putting together, so I have um, another autistic teacher who works with me, and she's brilliant at doing research. So she's put together a whole recorded um, thing about the Equality Act mm-hmm. around research adjustments about employment law because we do have rights you know behind us to ask for reasonable adjustments and they can be simple things like being able to work from home or asking for an agenda before a meeting that makes huge difference to me as I as you know I asked you for some questions before I came because otherwise my brain has got all these other things in my mind and I need to narrow it down so it's just providing that extra structure that makes me do the best work I can and that's what every teacher really should be able to ask because it is the law and yeah. the Equality Act is really useful to know about so we've put this information together hopefully we're going to uh, release it um in the new year but we do already have a free course on being a neurodivergent teacher I think it's called being an autistic teacher but it covers everything really and I'll send you the link um And we've had loads of teachers get in touch with us to say how helpful that is. It's just, you know, a short thing to just realise that they have got these rights, that they don't have to do it confrontationally. You know, it can just come up in conversation, but also, um, you know, that employers have responsibilities to look after them yeah not in them (laughs) that's the big thing there's a lot of bullying and and bullying in the workplace is real it happened to me that's how I ended up um, leaving my last job so I've worked for five different head teachers in my career Mm -hmm. and three of them were absolutely brilliant they you know did they gave me really positive feedback where I was a good teacher, helped me develop my skills, and gave me space to do things in the way that I work best. Yeah. Um, and I had two head teachers, one in my early career, who um, bullied me so badly and picked on things so minimal, you know, like little tiny things that I ended up crashing out of teaching and didn't go back for six months. I had young children at the time, um, really awful, and and no. Confidence to stick up for myself. The second time I I felt I was bullied, um, I did stick up for myself and um, I left, I did leave because I was threatened. Um, and and oh. um, I was threatened with incompetency procedures and I just knew that wasn't right. Sadly, the union I was in at the time wasn't much help but i decided i was going to do things my way because that wasn't true so i did leave and i set up this business and here i am 9 years later well done Lynn. Uh, i think it's important <laughs> that other teachers know that sometimes it's yeah. the wrong place not not them that's wrong yes
0: it's i'm i'm really sorry to hear that and i was on i'm part of a facebook group called i forget what it's called Anyway, it's it's for senkos and teachers, and there ha- there have been a number of situations like what you've just described, where a teacher has, yeah, bullying. It's bullying, and um, gosh, you need these support networks around you, and I think that's an important point that you just made. Sometimes you're just not in the right environment. Mm-hmm. Um, if I kind of round up what we were saying, I guess like being able to talk about these things, hopefully, you know, with support networks around you, having that confidence. And you mentioned about, you know, we do have rights. There are things there to, to, to help. And one more thing, because I just thought about this before, access to work, which is, you know, maybe people don't know about this, is government funding for... It's available for individuals to support their, their work. Um, I uh, did an application a couple of years ago and was supported with things to help my work, such as I've got some speech-to-text technology, which is really good for me in terms of I, I, can, I can talk. <laughs> uh, sometimes talk the sentence much more clearer than if I'm typing it that's really helped and a few other things so if you haven't looked at access to work check it out they might be able to support you or you know who you work with with there is some currently technology. a waiting
1: list on that actually I've heard a few yeah. people it recently so we've had two of our team um, use access to work for travel costs actually and travel because right. one I and mean, um, is epileptic and needed um, support with transport so they got that and our autistic member of staff gets a taxi to work because of the sensory issues mm. around so, so there's lots of different ways it can help yeah. but they're, they're getting a lot of people now people know about it a bit more yeah. they are getting that waiting list so it is worth applying but just be aware that everything's got a waiting list at the moment hasn't it yeah everything Oh, thank you so
0: much, Lynn. Uh, It's been such a pleasure to speak to you. And um, yeah, if you want to check out Lynn's website, it's reachoutasc.com, isn't it? Yeah. Right, yes. Yes. And I'm going to be checking out that Facebook
1: group as well, Neurodivergent Teachers. (laughs) I'll send you the link and I'll send you the link to that free being an autistic teacher course as well. So if you share that, that'd be great.
0: Great, yes, I'll share that.
1: Thank you and uh, have a have a great
0: day. Thank you. Lovely to speak with you. A massive thank you to Lynn. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to connecting you with you again in the future. These conversations are really helping me to open up and talk about my own neurodivergence and see the links between the work I do, my drive and my passion and my own educational and mental health experiences. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, Send me a message or share the podcast and it would be brilliant if you could leave a quick review on your podcast app, which also helps more people find the podcast. You can find me on social media on Facebook, it's Autism Spectrum Teacher and I also run the Facebook group Autism and Inclusive Teaching and you can find me on other social media channels at StephReed underscore underscore. I'll be releasing a podcast every two weeks so make sure you've subscribed to Autism Neurodiversity and Me podcast to get the next episode sent straight to your device. Have a fantastic day.